May I speak to you in the name of our willing, saving, triune God. Amen. Good Friday. We are here after what may have felt like a long Lenten season. This gospel, so beautifully sung, provides a contrast to the horror of what is taking place, somehow challenging us to take it in, helping us to be able to listen, to look at something that is so hard to gaze upon. In the progression of our passage, so much is taking place. A tether for us echoes what may be perplexing or exasperating to Pilate. Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? What is happening? Today, as we with intentionality remember, we see poignantly the beauty of the love of God, this beautiful love and the ugliness of the state of humanity meet today, in this time, this hour, as John describes it. We get a hint not only of the beauty, but the power of God's love early in our reading. In the garden, the soldiers cannot bear to be in the presence of this love. Their fallen sinful bodies and plodding minds and hearts fall back physically to the ground. This love, this presence is tangible and causes a response from our limited human bodies. Like a peanut allergy, it does not ask permission. It happens and takes over. These were the bad guys. They did not want to step back and fall to the ground. They were overwhelmed by the great I am. Two concepts may help us look at something that has such gravity and is so wrong. Humans killing Jesus. Atonement and glory. The way we look at Jesus' suffering and death is important and reveals our view of God. What is behind all this suffering and death? Why did Jesus, why did God let Jesus die? Remember, years ago, there was a Nicolas Cage movie called National Treasure. They're looking for a clue in this movie embedded in the Constitution, but cannot read it without Ben Franklin's glasses. These glasses had multiple lenses. Without the lenses, no view of the clue, no ability to see what is there. Wearing the lenses, a clear view and understanding of what to do next. What is our lens? Atonement is a misunderstood concept that pushes on our view of God. Atonement, its definition is in the word, at one meant, bringing together what is separated. What does it take to bring humanity and God together? The great separation is from sin. We may vaguely understand or have heard of sacrifice in the Old Testament, as a means of providing for sin, for relationship, bridging the separation. There was no sacrifice that would bridge this gap for all time. Nothing in our fallen world, nothing a human could do, create, provide, offer. Only Jesus, 
God giving of God's self to provide for us what we could not make happen, we could not solve, so that we may be with God. We may still be discovering our lenses. An extreme quick assumption about atonement is that what is happening is that Jesus' suffering and death placated an angry God. Humans are sinful, God is mad, and something needs to happen. But is that really the lens to gaze with? That is not congruent with God's nature and character. God is love. Really. God is love. God loves us so much that God is extravagant and reckless in that love to provide for us to be with God. So what has this sacrifice of Jesus done? What does it show? Keith Ward, Anglican priest, philosopher, and theologian asserted, God is not being placated, but the suffering and death of Jesus is the expression of the unrestricted love of God. The unrestricted love of God. God is willing to do whatever it takes to solve the problem of sin that we are unable to solve. Unrestricted love. The ultimate offering of God's self to being flogged to being mocked with a crown of thorns and a purple robe, to being misunderstood as the crowd shouts, we have no king but the emperor, to the crucifixion. And let me again say that the crucifixion, this process of immobilizing, torturing, humiliating, and killing a slave or robber typically in our gospels is always only summed up in a phrase. They crucified him. Even those who were there in proximity as they wrote our Gospels and reflected back even over decades, they could not even write about it. And do not miss this. This was not easy for Jesus, this fully human, fully divine Jesus. He was troubled in spirit as his hour came. Hour has as has been used throughout the last several chapters of John this week. It refers, as J. Barry writes, to a critical moment marked for its meaning rather than its length. We hear it just prior to Jesus washing the disciples' feet. The hour has come, referring to Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection. We hear earlier in John, as this hour has come, Jesus is troubled in spirit. Jesus was aware of the magnitude of what was about to start happening, the hour for Jesus to be glorified, the time of his suffering and death, is linked to glory. Glory. D.A. Carson writes, the evangelist John makes clear that the supreme moment of divine self-disclosure, the greatest moment of displayed glory, was in the shame of the cross. In the Greek, glorify. To glorify has to do with the revelation of God's splendid activity. A transliteration of this Greek word is found in Isaiah. You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. Obviously, Jesus' role surpasses the role of Israel. Carson further asserts that Jesus is perfectly 
revealing the Father to human beings through Jesus' obedience, sacrifice, suffering, death, resurrection, exaltation, as one elongated event. Self-disclosure, a showing of who God is. God is a God of unrestricted, extravagant, faithful, and reckless love. Glory and love. Through Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection, God is accepting us and the harm we have done as humanity through sin. This radical and reckless love overcomes our harm and hurt in the divine being and transforms us forever. Atonement at one mint brings us together forever with God and one another and will never change. What love, what power. It is glorious. Good Friday indeed.